0: Welcome to the afternoon snack podcast. I'm your host Meredith Root. This is a podcast. Well, hold up.
1: I want to be part of the intro too. Okay, go ahead.
0: Oh, mind. You can, you can do it. Okay. Uh, like I was saying, I'm Meredith Root, former engineer, CrossFit games, athlete, and owner of tactic nutrition. That was the one and only Alex Parker, former lawyer, also a CrossFit Games athlete and co-owner of Tactic Nutrition. This podcast is about fitness, health, nutrition, CrossFit, business, mindset, and things that grind our gears. Wait, hang on. Ivy wants to say something. Go ahead, Ivy. Ah, She's, she's shy. No surprise there. Our goal is to give you something to think, talk about, hopefully make you laugh a little along the way. Good afternoon, Alex. Hey. Hey. You always sound so excited when we start these things. I can barely contain my excitement. Yeah, you and me both. I mean, it's like napping hour. One th- uh, it's a little early. A lot of European countries nap at lunchtime. Really? Siesta, yeah. Spain, it's like built into the workday. Huh. Can you imagine? I mean, not that we we don't ever do that. But imagine if that was the expectation of the day. Like, that's how the day is going to go. You wake up, you do whatever you do in the morning. I feel like Europeans sleep in, too. But anyways, you wake up, do your thing. You should move
1: to Europe. I should. I feel like you would fit in well there.
0: Well, no. Like, Denmark, they... Denmark's, like, it's, it's like, the happiest country. They
1: have napping rooms or something.
0: Yeah. It's, like, the happiest country in the world. And... I think that's because they only work like six hours a day and like four days a week. It's incredible. No wonder they're so happy. They
1: probably get double the amount done too in those six hours. 100%. Yeah.
0: When I was working, so we had a manufacturing facility in Denmark and it's crazy. Like if you go over there and visit as someone who's from one of the American sites, like if you're transferring a process or whatever you'll if you get to if you get to work at 7 a.m you will be alone for two hours like they don't they don't begin to to come into the office until nine and then you know you work a quote-unquote whole day and then you look around at 4 p.m and everybody's gone nine to four with a like a solid lunch break it's hilarious I mean it's amazing but very very different mm-hmm. from what happens in the US and Canada from like a work life <laughs> It just
1: reminds me of the other day when I was on Saturday, we had a bunch of work to do just like things to check off our to-do list. And it involved a lot of it was the two of us needed to be involved in this. There was some brainstorming like organization stuff. And I'm like, Meredith works for a couple hours. We had to like finish our accounting. And then there were some other things we needed to do. And like, I look over And Meredith is sleeping on the couch.
0: I wasn't, I was resting my eyes. You were fast asleep.
1: And I'm sitting there like, seriously? (laughs) So of course I woke you up.
0: Yeah. You like tapped my hand and I was like, no, she didn't. (laughs) No, she didn't just do that. Anyways.
1: Meanwhile, I'm like, no, she isn't sleeping right now.
0: Yeah. I'll admit like I procrastinated that task a little bit. But I just like, I have always done better with a little bit of a, like a gun to my head situation. Like I just kind of do things last minute. They're done well, but that's just how I operate.
1: Except now our accountant is in crunch time. Hopefully she operates well under pressure too.
0: I'm sure she does. She's an accountant. Like that's how they live. And with my deliverables this year, I basically did a job for her. So you're welcome. Mm Mm-hmm um, what else happened this weekend? Oh, it was Halloween. Yeah. Halloween was on Sunday. Yeah. Sunday. And it was our first Halloween as homeowners. And if you don't know where you, where we live, I guess like most people don't, um, we live, um,
1: the address is
0: no, (laughs) (laughs) we, uh, we live in the, in the burbs. We're in the suburbs. We live in a neighborhood with lots of young to medium families yeah and
1: like if you've ever seen weeds i won't sing the intro song (laughs) because i don't want to intimidate everyone with my beautiful voice of an angel Um, but it's very similar to that yeah
0: um so we were anticipating quite a few trick-or-treaters just based on the number of kids in our neighborhood and based on the number of like halloween decorations going up around us so um, we did. Yeah, we did have a lot of trick-or-treaters. We carved pumpkins a week early, which um, I think usually is fine unless you buy the sale pumpkins, which we did. They were on sale.
1: My question is, why are pumpkins on sale a week before Halloween?
0: What do you mean? Why wouldn't they be on sale? You mean why are they marked down? Yeah. Well, because they were clearly rotting. They're very soft pumpkins. So anyway, what I'm
1: saying is, why do they have like borderline rotting pumpkins a week before Halloween. They should just throw them out to. A-
0: okay. I'm going to stop you right there. Let's def who is they
1: the grocery stores.
0: Okay. Let's define that further. Who's in charge. Who's they, who makes the decisions on pumpkins. I don't know. Someone the, who probably does Who's, the, doesn't who's know- the
1: Halloween equivalent of Santa Claus.
0: Um, I think Michael, <laughs> Michael. Oh my God. For Halloween. <laughs> The horror movie? Oh, I don't know. I've never seen Michael. The guy with the hockey mask.
1: Oh yeah. What about Chucky? Or Chucky? Is he in charge of the pumpkins?
0: I don't know. But I imagine whoever's in charge of the pumpkins at Co-op is not a not only not a pumpkin expert, but also probably doesn't like put their eyes on the pumpkins. I
1: have a feeling that these pumpkins weren't borderline rotting. They were just like ex- they were extremely large. Yeah. And like really. <laughs> really misshapen
0: which I so I'm like
1: I'm doing groceries and Meg and Meredith's sister Megan is visiting at the time so we're all going to carve pumpkins as an activity and so they go off with their cart and they're like we'll go grab pumpkins they come find me in the meat section I'm doing the (laughs) shopping and like these pumpkins they're so big three of them barely fit in the cart but one of them one of them is basically looks like it's been completely flattened
0: They were the only pumpkins left. And as the person who got the pumpkins out of the bin, I had to sift through quite a few like very soft pumpkins. So they were rotting. Anyways, our pumpkins looked ridiculous. But we still got compliments on them for some reason. Like a few people were like, oh my gosh, I love your pumpkins. They were quite intricate. Even if they, and I think maybe when it got a little darker, they looked better. Yeah. So I was like, thank you. And then this, uh, so, but we wanted to make sure we had fresher- mine basically
1: looked like the dentures had fallen
0: out and it was yeah. just a gummy smile. Mine still looked good. I don't know if you went and looked at it. Mine Megan's
1: was the most hilarious.
0: Well, it's cause Megan is like the, a very wide pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> she cuts like a, a pumpkin wide mouth. And then it immediately, as soon as she carves it, the mouth just closes. The top the pumpkin- of the
1: mouth, the top of the mouth caves inward creating a significant underbite
0: <laughs> it had a it had an underbite yeah i mean like i know megan's it not worked. the best at physics but if you just put the mouth a little bit higher on the pumpkin so that you know it you didn't have the whole weight of the top of the pumpkin it did
1: look okay once there was a candle in it
0: yeah and it like it's endearing mm-hmm. you know i love that um we also we wanted to make sure we had fresher looking carved things, so we carved um, <laughs> a cantaloupe and a watermelon and put those out as a joke. They actually look great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of the earlier trick or treaters was like, "Oh my gosh, your house smells so good!" And I was like, "Stop!" Um, and I was like, "I, I was like, oh, we're because we had chili, just, yeah." So I'm like, "Are you smelling the chili? Because that would be that's coming." It was from like, pretty all aromatic, way. though. Yeah, but I was like, no, I don't think anyone would comment on chili, and then I was like, well, sometimes the neighbor, you can, like, smell the neighbor's laundry, so I was like, so they're probably doing laundry, and they're smelling that, and then the day after, when we went and collected the candles, I realized we were burning a, f- a can, a French toast candle <laughs> in one of the pumpkins, and that's what she was smelling, was French toast, so anyways, um, I thought it was great, I thought we did great, and I think... I mean, pat ourselves on the back here. You and Ivy. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not talking about you. You sat on the couch the whole night. Thanks. Why didn't you help?
1: Because kids scare me.
0: You could. You could have told me that. Teenagers, especially. Okay, so there's like a, an age range of trick or treaters, and they get treated different. And my comfort level with them differs, like. Um. The door, ri- the doorbell rings and I walk up like best case scenario. It's a very small kid in like a dragon costume. Cause then what I do is I like bend down, I have the candy and I can talk to that child. Like it's a pet, like it's Ivy. Like, Oh, what a cute little dinosaur. Look at your costume. You know, kind of like you're talking to a little doggie or something. Very comfortable with that type of conversation. And they don't usually say anything back,
1: you know, how old, how old, like at what point do you cross the threshold of being able to speak to it as like a pet? And by it, I mean the child.
0: Well, I don't know. I tried it on some teenagers and it really didn't go over well. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like bad five, at kid four? It. Yeah, I think under five. Probably.
1: I've, I've known some mature five-year-olds.
0: Yeah. Now I'm thinking about Paul Tremblay's kids. And I think maybe like under four. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, that's best case scenario. Once I get to like six and above, like six to 10, I'm like, I don't know. Cause a six year old, 10 year old rings the doorbell. They should know that they're supposed to say trick or treat, but then sometimes they don't. So it's like, then one time I said trick or treat when I answered the door and I was like, no, 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 that's wrong. Um,
1: in their defense, I used to hate saying trick or treat. It was too generic.
0: Yeah. But what about like, like, do we have
1: to go through all this?
0: Like everybody knows,
1: everyone knows what I'm doing here. Everybody just give me the candy so I can leave.
0: I'm not really a bat, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not here to play any tricks. I'm here for one thing and one thing only. And that's miniature sized Kit Kat bars. Yeah, I completely agree. But that's when it starts getting awkward.
1: Do you ever have those when you were trick or treating as a kid? Did you ever have those houses who would be like, sing me a song?
0: Oh my God. No, I would turn around and walk away. I pretty
1: much did. I was like, I think I swore at them and then left.
0: I don't know any Halloween songs. And
1: then there's like, there's maybe not anymore, but there used to be the, the people who would give like cookies Mm, Yeah. or like, Hey, if you're a dentist and you give a toothbrush, fine.
0: That's not fine. I mean, it's like, whatever. At least tape the toothbrush to like a piece of yeah. candy. Yeah.
1: Then they also did. You ever get the little mini baggies? Like the person would make a tiny baggie of a variety of candy.
0: Yeah. Always appreciated I always hated that. those. Really? Yeah. Just because you didn't like some of Cause the. Because they were always
1: crappy candy.
0: I I had some good ones.
1: It was like the chocolate balls wrapped in ha- in like orange tinfoil.
0: Oh, the and super I'm like, this is stuff.
1: not Halloween. This is not made by Nestle
0: or hershey
1: or hershey or get, get it get it out
0: or what's the and one you can one? also
1: unwrap it and rewrap it so what if i'm like what and if it's laced could
0: a, it could be a wonder ball with razor blades yeah okay we have no idea um yeah the worst and like you didn't really answer the door that much so
1: no because the one time i did they like left and i was like thank you
0: yeah which what? is super. i don't odd. say, say thank you thank them thanks for coming uh okay (laughs) the most awkward because we look pretty young especially to to own a house in this neighborhood i'm certain that our neighbors have wondered on many occasions where our parents are and how we have especially because we're like
1: out front like washing our bikes riding around
0: yeah it's like all last winter it was like we were out skiing a ton and then in the summer it was like we're just out with our bikes all the time (laughs) but anyways um Really awkward when like the fourteen year olds start showing up, and like you answer the door, they're not going to say anything. They realize like they they recognize how aw- I'm like this is awkward for everybody. This is awkward for you guys. This is awkward for me. What are you even dressed as? You're not dressed as anything. You it's have usually a-
1: like they wear regular co- clothes and then a mask. Yeah. Like, and also I know what you're doing here at eight p.m. You're you're just, clearing out. Yeah. I know that trick. It's the oldest trick in the book.
0: They always have, like... They can't even be bothered to have, like, a cute Halloween basket. They have, like, a literal, like, pillowcase. Okay, well, I used to use a pillowcase.
1: Baskets are for, like, tiny kids. I mean, fair. So, Meredith answers the door. It was nearing the end of the night. It was, like, seven thirty, seven forty-five, And she was like, that kid, um... Like I gave them candy and then she, she let me know that there weren't that many other kids left out. So I was like, Oh, thanks for letting me know. And I gave her some extra candy. (laughs) I was like, Meredith, you fell for it.
0: Okay. But they were also adorable and they weren't teenagers. Okay. They were like, those ones
1: are the ones you have to watch out for.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. The teenagers though, it's like you open the door and you're like, sup. (laughs) You want like, uh, are you like a, like Twix fan? You guys like Twizzlers? Or like, what do what do the cool kids? You want some lint balls? I have some truffles. You guys look like you might have a, a more sophisticated palate. Do you like hazelnut?
1: Meanwhile, I'm like, get the hell out of here. You probably have more money than I do.
0: <laughs> yeah, you live up. Go at buy the your point. own
1: candy. You still <laughs> live with your parents. You don't have to pay mortgage.
0: And then they like they get in their car and drive off. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay. Okay. At least they didn't smash our pumpkins. And at least, like, I do know they felt just as awkward as yeah. I did about it. So,
1: overall, anyways. it was a huge success. Ivy was wigged out.
0: She loved it. She would give us, as soon as someone would start walking up to the door, she would start meowing. So, we had a solid, like, 10 second warning. It was great. Yeah. She's still tired from that, I think. But, anyways, no surprise episode today. Alex, don't worry. Unless, I'm just kidding, we're going to talk about, we're going to do our boundaries episode. That we, I was, you prepared for it last week and then I surprised you with Q&A, but now we're actually going to do it. So do you want to intro it? You want me to intro
1: it? No, I, I actually forgot everything I read about it. So oh. you're going to have to lead the way.
0: Thanks for, thanks for refreshing your memory before we sit down this will be a, uh, I'll just talk the whole time. I'm like that there.
1: kid before every podcast, I just cram.
0: That's good. I hope And then that.
1: I can have I can utilize the knowledge for a very short period of time and then it disappears.
0: Yeah. So well I'm sure your clients love to hear that. <laughs> so uh okay, boundaries. So um not something that really gets talked about a lot in health and fitness, nutrition, crossfit. But I think it is a pretty fundamental concept and foundational to uh, achievement, especially when you start looking outside of the realm of fitness and nutrition, just high achievers generally. Um, foundational for that, I think it's fundamental for happiness generally in relationships. And then, um, you know, when you're looking to when you're goal striving, so when you set out a new goal or you're trying to change your life in a positive way, it's um, pretty important, I think, to understand boundaries and then how they are set, where they come from. All that fun stuff. So two types of boundaries, Alex, what are they? Okay. Internal and external. Okay.
1: So internal would be, I mean, they stem from your core values, um, recognizing what you need as a person, where you want to spend your time. Um, and then external would be like involving other people or other things. So what we hold other people to how we enforce internal boundaries in relationships, what we tolerate and like where we spend or give our energy to.
0: Yeah. So I think there's sometimes disconnects between those two, Mm -hmm. but then I think fundamentally people struggle to identify what boundaries they need to set within themselves. Most first and foremost. Yeah. And when I think about boundaries and the two types, it's not, they don't, I don't think they exist like um, side by side. I think they stack. And so I think in order to set appropriate external boundaries and start to have expectations of the way that you show up in relationships, the way that you, your the people in your life show up in relationships, you have to have established what your, internal boundaries are. So, um, we already mentioned it. They, they stem from core values. And this is, when you hear people talk about boundaries, you don't hear core values talked about a lot, but I think that core values underline almost everything in our lives. And so I think a lot of people, when they hear core values, they think like, (sighs) corporate mission statements. So when you walk into a big corporation, usually they have their mission statement and they have their core values. And that's the way that we sort of conceptualize core values. But everybody, every person operates with a set of of core values. So um, some examples might be, you know, a core value I have is love, or uh, health, or honesty and integrity. Those are core values. But those are right off the wall from, like, a big company, right? So it's, like, how do we move... How do you make core values into something that's actionable? How do we take something that's, like, very esoteric in nature and make it something that we can, like, do on a daily basis, something we can commit to acting on? You're nodding. Are you following? Yeah,
1: yeah, I follow. I think, well, the way that I... To define values further I think about where you spend your time
0: we where you spend your time or where you want to spend your time where you want to spend your time yeah
1: so I think we've all kind of seen it on Instagram or maybe if you read articles like psychology articles or you know really like it's a it's a pretty easy way to conceptualize where you spend your time and what your values are and how you can change them. And that's with a pie chart and each piece of the pie represents different aspects of your life. So you have like on my pie, it's like work slash business, uh, my relationship with Meredith, uh, my relationship with other people and like socialization, gym time, like food prep is like, or, you know, eating healthy is in there. Cause that is time a time commitment in itself and then maybe like time for myself so like relax relaxing um maybe like yeah time doing extracurricular activities like biking and skiing and so where you like where you value like how you value those things is det- determines how big of the piece of pie each one takes up so like for me work is a pretty big one so is working out and so all these other things kind of our smaller pieces as work expands, which it has been a big part of my bigger part of my life in the past. All of the other pieces shrink to the point where, and we'll talk about this in the past, like my social life was a tiny, tiny, tiny little sliver.
0: Are you saying you have a booming social life now? (laughs) Because
1: maybe I didn't value, I don't value it that much right now. I don't know it's not a big piece of the pie. It never has been, Yeah. but it certainly was like not pretty much non-existent. Sure. Time for myself was non-existent, that sort of thing. So that's just an example.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, that's one way to look at it. And it's one way to define kind of where you're at right now with your core values. And there's always going to be a flux. There's going to be give and take. They're going to exist in somewhat of a balance just because energy, energy is finite. Time is finite. Yeah. Um, but as long as you're operating from a place of those core values, even if you're giving a little bit more to, uh, let's say one of your, your core values is achievement, for example. So even if you're giving a little bit more to that and not quite as much to love or to, uh, fitness, that's okay. Cause that's still in line with what you value and you're still giving those others, you know, some amount of attention. Um, I think for and it's a decision that you've
1: you're happy with. yeah, maybe it's short term. Maybe it's you finish a project, so work takes priority for a while. Yeah, that's exactly sort of thing. people yeah.
0: Um, but I think you know for the most part, the values tend to be a little bit ambiguous, so it does help to define what they are in like an actual way so that you can move forward and then practice, you know, or set your day up in a way that is central to those core values. So then once we move beyond, um, you know, the, the value itself and we define, so like, you know, Brad Stolberg defines love, his definition of love is being present and engaged with the people you care about, which I think is a pretty astute definition of, of love, which tends to be the most ambiguous core value that there is. And so how do you set yourself up during the day? What's the practice, Right it can be disconnecting at the end of the day, putting away computers, putting away cell phones. And that allows you to be present with the people who are in your life. That's love. And that's one way to do that. There are other ways to do that, of course, but that's just one example of a singular practice that can, um, move you towards acting out of that core value, being true to that value. Yeah. So I think once you start to establish those, um, Core values, define them, practice them, you can kind of start to understand how internal boundaries form. So bringing this back to the boundary conversation, um, a boundary conversation is simply, or a boundary is just a, a, for lack of a better word, a line that you don't allow to be crossed. You don't allow yourself to cross it. You don't allow other people to cross it. It's just, it's something that it is essentially a framework in your life that allows you to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish, put your energy where you want to put it and operate from a place of, um, self love acceptance and recognition of your values. Yeah.
1: And be happy and, yeah. s- and like enjoy your days.
0: Yeah. So I think once you're aware of like your own boundaries and especially in a relationship, you can start to see how, how, your boundaries might differ from someone else's and kind of how they can play together. Um, And I don't know, I found this topic to be really interesting because it's allowed me to identify certain um, lines that I've drawn in the sand and how that affects the way that I feel about myself, the way like my energy is during the day and then how, you know, the type of relationships that I, I build or I don't build. So um, how do you think we, like, just off the top of your head, how do you think we differ with boundaries?
1: Uh, I think, well, for one, I I used to prioritize working out over, like, anything else. It was, like, because growing up, it was always, like, my sports and then my academics. And my friendships and stuff just were kind of, like, intertwined with sports specifically. So I didn't really ever have to prioritize that or take time for it. Um, and I, I struggled with that when I started dating you and we would, even when we would go visit your family, I was always like, so, um, like I didn't want to let go of my training schedule. I would be, and I'll admit like demanding like about when I needed to be at the gym And it got to the point where you kind of had to say like, look, like I know, like I had my internal boundary that was based on a core value of like health and fitness and achievement, but you also had your boundary, like your, your value of like relationships and family time and travel. And so we had to kind of make that, those two values work together. So you, like you had your boundary and it was like, I don't want to be working out on vacation all the time. But I had my boundary where I'm like, well, I don't want to give up any workouts because I have this goal of being psychotic. No, of getting to the <laughs> CrossFit Games. <laughs> sure. Um. And so, yeah, I guess, I mean, that. it's at some point you, You have to do that thing people do in relationships—die a little bit. No, (laughs) you could describe it as that. Uh, What's it? I think it starts with a C. I don't. You do it very often. Yeah, that's the word.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that's so. Here's the the struggle. I don't actually.
1: I don't even like that word in my vocabulary. I don't. That's why I couldn't remember it because it (laughs) just—it just gives me the heebie-jeebies.
0: Compromise. (laughs) yeah Uh uh-huh um I mean welcome to my life of (laughs) compromise so I guess that answers that question no but I think um whenever you feel or a lot a lot of times I'm not going to say this is a hundred percent of the time but a lot of times when people are feeling internally conflicted about something they're feeling frustrated or angry um something like that. It's because either an internal boundary of theirs is being violated by them or they're being pushed to violate it by someone else. Maybe that was me for you. Mm-hmm. Or, and this is going to be a, a novel idea, I think for you, Uh-oh. is that you your internal boundary just starts to shift a little bit because there's something new in your life and there's for something sure. that uh, is bringing value to you. And even though like, At that point in your life, and this, again, to go back to the uh, core values exist in a flux and energy and time in that conversation, even though at that time in your life, the most of your pie chart outside of sleeping, eating, and pooping was exercising, it doesn't mean that there wasn't a small sliver or a seed there that was ready to be watered, and that was love, and it is because you do value that. You just didn't have someone... Mm-hmm. in your life that, that required your time and energy and effort or your attention. Yeah. And so the internal conflict for you on top of the fact that you probably thought that I was being obnoxious with like wanting you to do other things. Why does not she just want to work out all the time with me? It's the best thing ever. Fine. But it was also probably because you felt an internal shift in your core values and an internal shift in your boundaries. And you were feeling like, Hey, I know that this line needs to be here. It's been way back here for most of my life. It, it's hard to shift. It's yeah. hard, especially when that shift comes at a cost of how of how much energy you put into this other area of your life. Yeah,
1: and I would say like my pie chart was stuck in the same spot for many many years. And so then I met Meredith, and to paint the image for you, or picture, is Meredith jumped into my pie chart into that little sliver that was like love relationships. And basically was like pushing outwards (laughs) with her two hands and her feet. She was starfished in the sliver, pushing the sliver (laughs) and making it bigger and bigger.
0: (laughs) It's quite the visual. She's still
1: working on it. But yeah. um, So I guess what we're saying is you can have internal boundaries and you can, you know, try to externalize them but you're, you're probably going to get some pushback, especially in a relationship where somebody else, their internal values conflict a little bit with yours. Yeah. So you have two people trying to establish external values with each other
0: that are at odds. Yeah. And this just you're coming together with different values. Mm-hmm. That's any relationship, most relationships. Um, but let's just say like, you know, a person has never even tried to establish internal boundaries. Um, before you can really start to have expectations of other people and the way that they behave and the way that they act in your life, you have to spend some amount of time with yourself establishing internal boundaries. And that's just because, um, it creates consistency in your life, creates balance. It grounds you to daily practices and it, it removes a lot of frustration. I mean, a lot of people get frustrated with themselves more than they get frustrated with other people because they're not holding, you know, they're violating some internal boundary that they have. They're, they're you know, they have a, a boundary of, you know, I'm, I'm gonna go to bed at 10 p.m. i put my phone away. And then they sit on Instagram until midnight and then they wake up the next morning and they're disappointed and they're frustrated because they're tired and they, they don't have the energy to go to the gym, like, that's not on anybody else. That's That's that person not adhering to a boundary that they set out to adhere to. It's behavior change really at, you know, at its core. It is sometimes difficult to do that, but, um, you know, that's, that's a really basic boundary to, to bring into the conversation, but you can't really start establishing external boundaries within relationships until you have well-established internal boundaries. So what would it look like if somebody didn't have internal values that were established? Boundaries?
1: Sorry, Internal boundaries yeah. and values. I mean, I guess the, they go hand in
0: hand the way that you can, I think as a person, you can really feel that. So if you just, if you live your life day to day with a, you just feel very disrupted, you feel frustrated, you feel directionless, you feel tired. Cause maybe you're just like, you're feeling spread really thin. Like that's usually an indication that you haven't done a good job with your and internal Maybe values. like a yes man. Yeah. And this is like, um, you know we can get into this, but there's the definitely amount of people pleasing that can go on. Mm-hmm. Um, You overcommit, you say yes to everybody, you put other people's needs before your own. Which is super common, especially in um, like women tend towards this behavior. Caretakers tend towards this behavior. You do it when you think like, if I take care of other people the best I can, it'll make me feel like worthy. It'll make my life better, but really it doesn't because if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't actually take care of other people, Mm -hmm. not in a way that's meaningful. So, um, I think that you just feel a sort of a base level of anger, frustration, disorganization, um, and that, that comes out, that starts to come out. Yeah. Um, and then you start to have expectations of people that aren't fair because, you're not being fair to them. You're not being fair to yourself and expectations that people don't know about or like, aren't clear just sort of plants the seed for future resentment. And that really can start to have a negative effect on your relationships. Um, so internal boundaries allow us to enforce not only internal boundaries, but also external boundaries down the road. I was on going back to kind of, uh,
1: revisit uh, our conflict of, of boundaries, probably having a good idea of your internal boundaries and your values, not only allows you to, like, feel a little bit more settled and confident in yourself, but it also allows you to communicate and work through some of the conflicts that you might have with people along the way if you have a good sense of like you know why are my values this oh maybe it's because this is how my life has been for the last 20 years but can they change through communication with somebody else whose boundaries might be different or values might be different you can adjust yours a little bit Um, and having like a really good handle on that is important because if you're just kind of flying by the seat of your pants and so maybe you end up in a relationship where somebody really values travel and like you're not really super keen on that but you don't you don't really know why you're just kind of going with the flow the person's booking trips you're traveling and you're unhappy and then yeah like you said you have these expectations of you're not really sure and then you do develop resentment yeah that's just one example i mean that's a
0: perfect example right someone who values frugality and you know money saving and they're with a person who values experience and travel. How's that going to work out? Especially if you're not communicating because you don't understand what your own values are and what your own boundaries are or what's causing you to feel conflicted.
1: Like a lot of our arguments have stemmed from um, uh, like conflicts and what we value and where we want to spend our time. Yep. And it has helped... A- to be able to actually talk and say like, this is like, this is why like I value this because I grew up not having it or I, you know, I haven't been able to do this or whatever. Whereas like, I can be like, oh, I get that. Yeah. This is why I'm the way I am. Can we, you know, work towards each other?
0: Instead of just like resenting the other person for, for being different and having different values. And not bothering to understand why they have those values and why they're different than yours,
1: and maybe trying to to push your pieces of the pie in different directions and try it out.
0: Yeah. Um. So when boundaries are violated, and we we've talked about this, so when either you know a person doesn't hold themselves to the boundaries that they set out, or they have someone in their life who is who is pushing their boundaries, that's where kind of we experience anger and it can be a really useful thing to understand because you can, if you understand the root cause of frustration, you can self-assess and say, why am I, you know, feeling these feelings? Is it something that I did? Is it something that someone else did? What can I do moving forward to prevent it? But, um, you know, a lot of times if you don't realize that you kind of, and I think this is common in life, I don't think that it's intuitive to understand this concept, and I think that probably almost everyone has gone through a phase where they they battled with their relationships and with where they're spending their time. But you, you know, this is kind of the the root cause of a lot of numbing behaviors. So, um, you know, it's it's to dis- distract from how far off center your behavior is from core values so addiction, overworking, over exercise, drinking, spending money, people pleasing, yeah. staying in unhealthy It's like a coping mm-hmm. me- mechanism. Yeah, and the 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 longer you put off like dealing with this kind of thing, the the more like the louder that noise becomes. The more likely you are to to do things like that, the more extreme those behaviors can become. And, um, eventually, I mean, I can only assume that that bubble bursts. I have a, a, a story, sor- sort of a story to tell on that note.
1: So I was listening to a podcast called armchair expert with Dak Shepard and they had Alanis Morissette who I love. She's just, she's an amazing artist and like, she's a really cool person and she's Canadian and she was, they were talking about, uh, this kind of behavior and like, um, she was saying, you know, as, as a kid, you know, you look at the kids who are like kind of outspoken or kind of have issues and they're just they're getting things out of their system almost in a way, uh-huh. but they're they're considered like a problem child, maybe, like a little bit harder to deal with. And then she was saying that you have these other kids who are just, they, they go to school, they get all their homework done, like, you know, they never complain, they just kind of do what they're told, like, you know, stay in the room, but really quiet, kind of just like overachiever, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, what people don't understand is they think like, oh, you know, Little Tommy, he's such a great kid, but really like, she's like, I, those kids, those are the ones you have to watch out for because like, I look at those kids and I'm like, they're gonna blow, (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of what we see in adults. Yeah. And I see it with nutrition coaching. Like I get these clients who come and they're just like, so on point. Like with their, like right from the get go, just like perfect, 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 no issues whatsoever. Just like making him. And meanwhile, I still get fooled. I'm like, this is incredible. Like this is the best client I've ever had. And literally like, I'll never like three months down the road. It's like explosion, like Alex, like (laughs) completely off the charts. Like everything's falling to pieces, but it's probably because they signed up for nutrition coaching to use that as a way to distract. It's like, oh, if I can get my... If I can get my bet my fit thi- like
0: If my- I can just have abs. If I can get my
1: desired body, if I can lift this much, if I can then all of my other problems will go away. And maybe they do for a little bit because you focus so much energy on your nutrition. But that is only gonna go so far.
0: Well it's kinda like so the image that I have in my head right now, and I love this, is have you ever blown up a balloon and you blow it up? to like max capacity and you've got the little, you got the thing pinched and you're like the butthole. Yes. (laughs) The sphincter. And you just like, you, you, you blow in it one, like another time and be like, I think that's it. And then you're like, no, I'm going to do it again. And you just like, keep blowing into it, keep blowing into it. Um, and then, and then you, you pinch it with the other hand so you can take your dominant hand and like flick it and you're like, Oh yeah, that's tight. That's tight. (laughs) And then you switch back hands again. So now your dominant hand's holding the sphincter. And you're like, you, you blow in it one last time and it's just like, kaboom! <laughs> and it's like, that's how it is. It's like these people just, they want to add, 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 add. Keep adding shit into their lives. But at some point, like, you're going to take that final breath. You're gonna You're going to blow in the balloon that final time. And even though your intentions are good, because all you want is the world's biggest balloon. <laughs> That's all you want, but it's going to blow up. Yeah. And so the, the concept there is like sometimes taking things away actually makes it easier to do the things you want to do better. It's a weird concept, but sometimes doing less allows you to do more or allows you to do less, but better.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think this is is an interesting topic because what is so simple, it's very simple. You have your values, and then your boundaries, and then you communicate those boundaries and you expect them to be respected. But within that, there's layers and layers and layers of complexity and scenarios.
0: Right. Because how do you deal with, um, like I'm sure it's at some point, almost everybody in their lives has had to enforce a a boundary with uh, a friend, with a family member, someone who's in their life. And I think a lot of times the, the first time that that happens, whether it's like a, a childhood friendship that, you know, goes sour for whatever reason. Uh, you, I mean, you've had those, I've heard. Um, that, the first I usually time just you, like, we're done here. Yeah.
1: Like as a 10 year old, I'm like, we're done. Yeah, We're done. You're not, not just not invited to my birthday. We're You're done completely. You're actually <laughs> dead to
0: me. Um, <laughs> the, yeah. And so not much has changed. So the, <laughs> The first time we we enforce a boundary, we kind of have this idea that it's got to be this like steel wall. It's got to be boom. The, it's not only a line in the sand, but it's a like it's a brick wall. And it can be a really jarring experience, both for the person who's trying to enforce the boundary and having the boundary enforced on them. Like imagine if you're that friend or somebody and all of a sudden out of the blue, probably because, you know, this person, you, it's not uncommon for someone to go from people pleasing. Yes, 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 yes. I'll do whatever you want. Default to this more dominant person to just saying like, I can't, I've had enough. I need you out of my life. Um, A lot of times it comes out in a really rude way and it's like, it's a jarring experience to be on the other end of it. I think as you get older and again, your internal boundaries are more established, your core values are more established. You realize you don't actually have to work that hard to enforce external boundaries because when you're just really confident with who you are and what you're about, they kind of take care of themselves and the people who are in your life, who take up too much of your energy, they're too demanding. They push your boundaries too much. You know, they suck the life out of you. Eventually like those people just kind of phase out cause you're going to spend less time with people like that. Or
1: you just have to learn not to let them infiltrate your boundaries.
0: Yeah. Or you, you change the way that you interact with them. Yeah both maybe time, frequency, um, you know, type of interaction, what you're doing, that kind of thing. And so in that way, you're not... They can't cross your boundary just because they don't have... They don't literally don't exist in your life in a way that allows that to happen. Yeah. But you don't have to say to that person, I don't want you in my life anymore. I think you're horrible. You just... you, you Your life, everything shifts away.
1: Yeah. I, I'm definitely guilty of putting up steel walls. Like if somebody... It- if somebody tries to, I have, like, like I mentioned, I have a very, um, strong sense of self value, especially now that I'm out and I'm, I just, I feel very confident in who I am and what I do now. And that's taken a long time to get there. But even as a kid, uh, as I mentioned, I had values and they were academic achievement and athletic success. And really I didn't let anything get in the way. So, um, I would, I would lash out at literally anything any buddy that got in my way and um also i have uh i'm very self-righteous as well so i hence me becoming a lawyer still still so anytime somebody um you know argues with me or uh debates me i will my my response is to just completely cut them out of my life or if somebody is, has a different value or is, is um, self-centered or untrustworthy or something that really goes against some of the values I have and expectations of people, I'm like, we're done here. And literally we'll never talk to them for the rest of my life. I mean, like, you
0: don't know that because you're only like 30 years into your life. Like, okay. So come like I later. had
1: a, I had a friend who used to be one of my best childhood friends and we had a falling out and it's still yet to like repair itself. It's, like I, I still somewhat consider a friend, but I've put up this, this wall because, and it just went up and that was it. It was like, I, now I'm learning. And partially because I'm, I'm in a, in a relationship with somebody who's had, who has prior relationships. And so I can't like meet one of your friends and be like, that person is horrible. I'm I'm never talking to them again. And you have to be like, look, Alex, like, this is like my childhood friend. I, love them and they're going to be a part of my life, like you have to learn to be around them. And I'm sure a lot of people deal with that because in like my my response is to be, just be like, we're done here. So like I, I've learned to myself, like you can still have somewhat of a boundary without putting up a steel wall. It can be fluid. Yeah. But I think that goes... You have to change like your internal boundaries. Like, okay, I can still have a value of honesty or whatever, but I can entertain a relationship with somebody who's dishonest while still respecting my value. Would you say that's accurate?
0: Yeah, I think the mistake in what you said is that you have to be willing to change your internal. You don't actually. What you have to do is you have to be able to... Reframe them. Yeah, no, not even that. Not even that, what you have to do is you have to be able to accept that having a a relationship with this person because of proxy to another friend or family member or significant other doesn't change who you are and what you value. And I think that's the hard lesson to learn when you historically have said, I can't be associated with a person like that at all because it means I'm not holding myself to my personal, my internal values. And so it's not a reframing. It's not a shift in internal values. It's a detachment from, a, a, from allowing a, a person to impact the way that you see yourself.
1: Yeah. And it's not just people. Like I've, I've had this, this experience with CrossFit competitions where like if something isn't fair or the judging is off or the programming is unfair, I will out of principle never ever... Go back to that competition again. It's done. It's dead to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's a little more reasonable because you're, you're giving, you're, you're giving literal time and physical energy to that. Yeah. That's more reasonable. I think than saying just this person existing in my solar system of human beings just because that person is out there, they're, they're Mars, they're bobbing around in orbit with you. It doesn't, they're not going to collide with you. They don't change your atmosphere. Do You know what I mean? And so I think it's a very grown up response and it's a mature response to say, this person can be in my life. They can be my orbit. They can be going around the sun with me, but they're not gonna, they're not my moon. They don't impact anyone on my planet. They don't impact me. And that's okay. Is this a, are we having a therapy session right now? (laughs) Should I be charging you for this? Yeah. But I think that's, that's hard, especially for someone like you. And this is not anything against you. You've been the center of your universe for a long time. Yeah. And so it's hard when you, you have me, for example, who enters your universe and you're still the center. I'm going around, but I have these other people in mind. And that's just a new, that's new to you because it means if, if anyone in my orbit conflicts with you, you want to say, get out. You want to say, get out of my, orbit. I don't want you in my solar system anymore when they can't get out of my solar system. Yeah. So it's how do you learn how to live with someone in your orbit and you realize it's actually easier to do than you think you just yeah. have to detach your emotional response from the fact that you can't control that person and what they do with their life. Deep. Um that was a good example. I feel like that was a good we went down a bit I of a feel like
1: hole I I a lot bit of a lot about yeah. one of my downfalls.
0: It's just, it's, it's the dark it's side of the coin it's of
1: a It's more of of a that, yeah. that's like one of my biggest challenges in life that I'm sharing with our listeners. Hopefully they interestingly, I th-
0: I think my biggest challenge in life is actually the exact opposite of yeah. your biggest challenge in life. And that's...
1: My boundaries are too rigid.
0: And mine have historically been too soft. Yeah. And I've definitely tended towards people pleasing in the past. And I think that's... I don't know that it's it's because I didn't have strong values. I didn't have a strong sense of self for a long time. And I mean, we've discussed it on the podcast, but I was, you know, I had a previous relationship. I was married to a man and kind of lived this life, this very nuclear family life. And I, I did a lot of that because I thought that it would please other people in my life. And I thought that I'd be accepted and I thought that's what people wanted. But just like we discussed earlier, the longer you you live outside of yourself and your core values and not maintaining your boundaries, the, the louder these noises get, the stronger, the distractions, the, the, the stronger the urges to numb that part of your life become. And it's, um, you know, it's for me at that time in my life, I was definitely obsessed with work and working out. So it was, it was when I got into CrossFit and it's, um, you know, I, I I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure had I not been struggling with being in a heterosexual relationship as a gay woman, and I wasn't so I wasn't trying to numb that so hard with CrossFit, I'm not convinced I would have ever made it as far as I did in the sport. It was such an outlet for me and such a strong one. Um so I definitely saw that at play. I definitely saw that work. And then it and it, it's not to say that like fitness and nutrition is not a core focus that I have now. It just means it shows up for me in a, a healthier way than it used to. Um, I so, feel oh oh, I was just gonna say you know for me, like like health and fitness has always been core, uh, but now it serves kind of the greater purpose. Whereas before it it was core, it was there, it was a value I had, but the the way that I was expressing it. It was almost like it served a dual purpose in my life. So even though it was core, I was using it as um, a crutch and a negative outlet. Yeah, that's interesting. But I think oh, so complex. Yeah, and I've I know we've I've mentioned this before and I've talked about it, but I think the the act of coming out as gay is is one of the most vulnerable things that you can do and it for me it 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 opened the door, not only to like be like living the life I was meant to live, but it, it opened the door to exploring other core values that I have. And that sent me down a different career path. And it, um, you know, it brought me here and it's changed a lot of things in my life. And I, like, I truly believe that, um, everyone's in their own closet, like whether you're you're gay and haven't come out yet, you're straight and you're you're struggling with, you know, whatever. Like the 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 power that the gays have in the LGBT community is that they hopefully they get to come out. And that's a really enlightening experience. These days the gays are the enlightened ones. I think that's a joke. Hmm. You're lost. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but coming out of, you know, whatever closet and saying like you know these are the things that I've been hiding. These are the parts of my life that I've been unwilling to to look at and to live and have been preventing me from from living in a way that would make me you know happy and healthy and in line. Really powerful. yeah, give that some thought. I
1: think it's almost freeing that you've what you've done essentially is you've resolved a conflict within yourself
0: yeah coming out
1: I think a lot of people that is that's something that everyone is faced with a lot of the time is kind of we've discussed but from like a client standpoint we see we see this all the time like we see clients who who want to be somebody else but like they don't know maybe they don't know how or they'll feel judged or they it doesn't their new self doesn't fit in to their old selves li- life like maybe they don't have the support from the people that they're with like we've had clients who are like I want to be re- I want to be healthy I want to lose weight I want to work out but they've all of their friends don't and so it's like this constant battle with this like inside you want to be someone different you know you're different you have these values but you can't put them to practice because your n- new self is, is constantly like your boundaries are constantly getting um, disrespected. So, yeah. so for example, it's like, okay, I go on this nutrition program. I'm only going to drink three drinks per week. Okay. Well, Friday night you go out with your friends and cause social life is valuable to you. But your friends are, are giving you a hard time for not drinking or not ordering a hamburger or not having a slice of pizza or not indulging in the nachos. So the next day you wake up and you feel just as we talked, you just feel like uh, guilty or frustrated or angry at yourself because you didn't adhere to the internal boundaries partially because maybe you haven't communicated what external v- boundaries you need.
0: Yeah. So what's the solution there? Um, I, I think about this one a lot because I think we get, we deal with a lot of people specifically who are trying to either maintain or establish internal boundaries in their, they're in relationships with significant others or they have kids or they have friends who are not necessarily in line and they may not share values. And so I think it's, it's hard when you You know, you feel like you might be letting other people down. You feel like you're being judged. Um, It's helpful to understand that a lot of times people who give you a hard time are are uncomfortable with decisions that they themselves are making. And when they see a change in a friend's behavior or significant other's behavior, it's easier for them to bring that person down than it is to recognize that they themselves are struggling with the same internal boundary Mm. that this person in their life is. You see that like people can see that and they they can connect to that. And it doesn't always feel good for the person who's getting kind of left behind. Right. Um, Once you become confident with those internal boundaries and holding yourself to them, people do kind of leave you alone. And, you know, we have, we have friends who are a a little more social, they're drinkers. Um, You know, when we're with them, they certainly don't give us a hard time for not drinking and it's probably because like we just exude these, the values that we have. Like it, it's not, you know, maybe, you know, they would say, Alex, can we get you a drink? And you would say, no, I'm fine with water. Thank you. They're not going to say, Oh, come on, Alex. Like why don't you just have a drink? Because they, they know what you're about and they know what reaction
1: I'm going to have if they push it,
0: <laughs> <laughs> which is you're out of my life. <laughs> You're out like a baseball umpire, right? Um, but also, I've done... I put
1: the legwork in to say to most of these people throughout my life, like, hey, like, I have these other ideas and values and goals and drinking doesn't align. So if you could just back the fuck off <laughs> and don't ask me if I need a drink. Yeah. I've done that. And like, maybe some people take about are taken aback i do it in a polite way most of the time Mm -hmm. but you know i i sometimes recommend to my clients like hey you know sometimes it's easy and it you know it's a little bit hard it's like ripping a band-aid off to say to your friends hey guys like i'm trying to lose weight and i would appreciate it if you you didn't give me a hard time for ordering salad with dressing on the side yeah and you know what if your friends are cool they're probably gonna be like hey respect yeah and they'll probably leave you alone
0: and then maybe in the but long you have term. to be serious
1: about it yeah exactly you can't be like you can't be self-deprecating be like guys i'm a fatty already you know <laughs> they're not gonna respect that That's because work. you don't respect yourself
0: <laughs> yeah it's a good point it has to come from a place of like of self-love accepting where you are and respect and reality yeah um And I think like long-term, maybe if you don't like the situations that again, and this is, this is how you start to enforce your internal boundaries and how your life can kind of like, like you're like an amoeba. Like you just kind of start to shift away from like, "Eh, I don't like that speck over there. I'm just going to go. If you don't like the situations that you're getting yourself into with other people, you just sort of naturally stop finding yourselves Mm -hmm. in those situations. If you don't want to go to wing night and have to enforce the boundary of, I don't eat chicken wings and I only have one beer, then you just stop going to wing night with people that are going to push that on you. And yeah. that's kind of where this like...
1: But it's like a positive choice not to go to wing night. It's not like I'm missing out. It's like, I just don't really want to go anymore.
0: Yeah, and that's that's the idea where like, is it is it a, a rigid boundary? Kind of. is the But the enforcement of it is quite fluid. Yeah. It's natural. It's, it It flows like from your center because it's who you are. Yeah.
1: And there's always going to be with boundaries and kind of going back to the pie chart. So I clearly love the pie chart, but um, if you're going to give something, give time or give energy to something, it's going to take away from something else is, I wouldn't say it's a sacrifice. Maybe in some circumstances it is, but really it's just like, it's, it's like a fluid balance of give and take, like you said. So like, you know, maybe one day you have a family If you don't already have one so there's going to be a slot for family time and that maybe pushes the boundary or pushes the line encloses the pie slice for work so now you have to work less take on fewer clients maybe make less money um but enough to support your family but less money things like that so it's it's give and take always so if you want to prioritize health and and weight loss then maybe the slice the like socialization slice goes makes it becomes a little bit smaller yeah that makes it as much as some people think that's a negative thing like if you're if it allows you to progress towards your goals and honor your actual values then really it's a good thing
0: and it allows you to show up for the people who you like maybe maybe shrinking the social slice isn't saying well I'm not going to go out with friends anymore I'm not going to do this I'm not going to do that Maybe it's just like, I'm going to go out with only my core group of friends only on occasion. So then when you show up, you actually show up for those people yeah. rather than it being like, oh, I'm here because I feel obligated to be here and this and that, right?
1: Yeah. Or maybe the the slice of the pie, there's like within the slice of pie for socialization, you have like food, entertainment, sports, maybe the, the socialization around food shrinks. So I don't go out for dinner or I don't go to potlucks anymore but I do go and play golf with my friends.
0: Yeah. And again, that, that kind of goes back to like how, you know, changing the way that you allow people to be in, to show up in your life. Yeah. And that helps enforce a boundary really without saying, having to say like, Hey, I'm enforcing this boundary. Like if instead of meeting up with your, your friends at 8 PM at a bar, you're like, Hey, do you want to meet for a coffee? Yeah. That's still checking the social box. It's still quality time, but no one's probably going to be like, yeah, do you, can you, I know it's 10 AM, but um, picture of Bud Light, please. Yeah. No one's going to do that. Right. Um, and it's, it's a subtle change and it maintains the relationship while also maintaining a boundary. Yeah. So I think that's a good place to sign off. Uh, we kind of meandered our way through that podcast, but I think it was good. Yep. Uh, i learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. I, I could refresh your memory on that topic. I guess I earned that one.
1: I know a lot about boundaries. Mm. As you can tell, yes. I've been dealing with them in my life for You're many an years.
0: expert <laughs> castle builder, wall builder. Yeah.
1: So you had a, you had a closing statement quote.
0: Oh yeah. So there's a, and this is kind of goes to the, the concept of of fluid boundaries and being soft and light with your approach. And it's this quote by Lao Tzu and it's water is the softest thing, yet it can penetrate mountains and earth. This shows clearly the principle of softness overcoming hardness. And I like that quote, just for life in general, because I think that, and I've certainly found that a softer approach with people tends to work better with situations. Um, it it's, feels really heavy to be really serious all the time and, and to take everything that happens seriously and let it weigh on you and let people, people and scenarios and events really get to you. And so I think you can, there's a lightness that comes from being, um, really confident in who you are, like what your core values are and, um, you know, the way that you want to live your life. Yeah. You should try that.
1: You know what? I will say that I am learning that on a daily basis, partially because my job is, uh, demands it um but it i think i'm a little bit of a different person when i'm coaching somebody or like talking to somebody um as a tactic coach than i am in my life it's like i'm trying to use what i do as a coach which is to be understanding and and soft and um just a listen a good listener and take that into my regular life where i'm much more rigid
0: <laughs> yeah We're getting there. All right. Thanks for listening. Um, We will catch you guys again soon.